Hello, Janet. As always, it's nice to see you here again. Hi, Dan. It's great to be here and talk with you and our guests about the life of the church at home, across the street, and around the world. Hello to all of our listeners in radio and podcast land. Welcome to Church Matters. What's on the agenda today, Dan? Well, Janet, back in the fall of 2008, we interviewed Reverend Dr. Karen Hamilton on the subject of church and state. Now, in addition to Karen's role as General Secretary of the Canadian Council of Churches, we also learned during that interview that Karen will be leading the planning of the World Religions Summit 2010, and that's a gathering of interfaith leaders in the G8 nations. Well, that is happening in our fair city of Winnipeg beginning on June 21st. And we're going to ask Karen for some more details on that later. But equally important is that Karen is going to share with us her experience of working with people of other faiths for the common good and how the Christian church can play a role in that. Sounds great, Dan. We usually like to start with a few inspirational words of scripture. What have you chosen for us today? Right. Instead of a Bible reading today, I'm going to ask you, Janet, to share in the reading of a wonderful scripture-inspired litany crafted by longtime Mennonite church workers, Ellen and Eleanor Kreider. I think this suits wonderfully our topic for today. Do you have it there in front of you? I sure do. Okay, here goes. Who do we love? We love the Lord our God. How do we love God? We love with all our hearts, with all our minds, with all our souls, and with all our strength. Who do we love? We love our neighbors. How do we love our neighbors? As we love ourselves. Who do we love? We love our enemies. How do we love our enemies? We pray for them, and we bless them. Those are such simply a deeply inspiring words, Janet. Today we've asked Reverend Dr. Karen Hamilton to help us learn from her experience of working with people of other faiths towards a common good. Welcome here, Karen. It's delightful to be here, Dan and Janet. People of different faiths can be suspicious and untrusting of one another. And yet sacred writings from many faith traditions, including the Christian church and the Bible, have something in common to say on that subject. What can you tell us about that? There are so many places to start, but one of them would be to say that all of the world's major faith traditions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Shintoism, and of course our Aboriginal sisters and brothers traditions are all grounded in what we might call social justice, what we might call compassion and mercy and care for all peoples and indeed for the very globe itself. This is fundamental to our faith. It always has been and working together towards that kind of justice, compassion, and mercy is a calling, and we are called to it through our sacred scriptures as well as our traditions and our prayers. Karen, you're working on a major religious leader summit coming this June. You're expecting, I understand, around 100 very significant faith leaders representing a huge spectrum of faith and belief traditions. Can you tell us something about that spectrum? Well, indeed, the faith traditions that I mentioned before are all coming to Winnipeg, to the University of Winnipeg, by the way, and it's important to say that what a gift that is. And faith leaders from Judaism, Christianity, Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Shintoism, Baha'i, the Baha'i tradition, our Aboriginal sisters and brothers are coming together. And they're coming together also from all of the regions of the world. That's another important part of it. So there are two major dynamics around diversity, all coming to Winnipeg, 
all coming for a common cause. From a Christian biblical standpoint, Karen, what do we know about how Christians should work with people of other belief systems and other faiths? All through our Christian scripture tradition, so through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, we have many, many stories. One small example would be Isaiah 45, verse 1. If you read that, you hear that Cyrus, the king of Persia, is considered to be an instrument of God. And the text is clear that he doesn't know God. The term that's used in Hebrew is Messiah. It's a challenge for us. Can you share one or two stereotypes of your own that perhaps have been shattered or stories of your own interactions that have been especially inspiring as you have been working on the Religious Leaders Summit? I can indeed. And of course, because they were stereotypes I held, they really surprised me. I've worked for a long time in interfaith dialogue, and so there were certain things I knew going into this project. But I have been startled by being quite passionately accosted twice, actually, by people who would call themselves uh, agnostic or atheist and uh, were wondering why it seemed that the faith traditions would think, which is not what faith traditions think, but in the planning of the summit, it seemed to those who are agnostic or atheists that the faith traditions thought they were the only ones called to social justice. And so people who are agnostic and atheists are saying, we believe in compassion and passionately caring for others too. Can we be a part of this? Why aren't we a part of this? I have to say, I wasn't expecting that reaction. Let's shift gears for a bit here, Karen. Can you tell our listeners what is the most important reason people of faith should pay close attention to the World Religion Summit coming up here in Winnipeg? The bottom line is fairly simple, fairly painful, fairly poignant. People are dying. Children, women, men are dying around the world completely unnecessarily from poverty-related causes, from diseases, and the G8 countries, the G8, G20 countries, the leadership of those countries has promised to make substantive progress with the Millennium Development Goals and other initiatives that would make a difference in life for our sisters and brothers around the globe. The faith leaders are going to come to Winnipeg, to the University of Winnipeg, speak together to the G8, to the G20, to say that promises need to be kept, and we will, all of us, of all faith traditions, work together for life. Karen, you've mentioned the Millennium Development Goals. I'm not sure all our listeners will know what those are. They were established by the United Nations in the year 2000, so all of the nations of the world agreed to them. They're due to be completed in 2015. They're nowhere near completion. And what they deal with are issues of extreme poverty, disease, universal primary education, climate change. They are trying to push forward justice and compassion in such a way that all people will be cared for, will have enough to eat, will have access to medical care, and all those things that we in Canada often take for granted. How do you anticipate these 80 religious leaders being able to make a difference in front of all these political leaders that are here? Will you be listened to? I actually think we will. Now, that's not to say that everything that the faith leaders will ask for will indeed be followed through on, and there'll be much follow-up, actually, as we figure out how to hold the political leaders to account for the promises that they make in June. That's important. But yes, I think we can make a substantive difference, partly because this is the sixth annual summit, so there is the momentum, the G8, G20 know that it's coming, partly because 
all of the faith traditions of Canada and the world are engaged in this, all of the major faith traditions, so that represents millions of people. And our political leaders do pay attention to their constituencies. The statement will be released, and it will go back to the other regions of the world. So that also will make a difference. What is the uniquely Christian contribution to that? Jesus was a healer. Jesus came, and he touched people, and he healed them, and he called for justice and peace for all. Matthew 25, Matthew 25, Matthew 25. Jesus said, for the least of these, my sisters and brothers, you did this, and therefore you did it for me. It's part of our fundamental deep calling to act on behalf of others, to care, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, and we bring that to the summit As Christians, we bring that through our relationship with Jesus Christ, God incarnate in our world, come to a world so truly loved. All people are made in the image of God. Our theology tells us that. Well, if we really believe that, if we deep down fundamentally believe all people are made in the image of God, and if we as Christians are following the way in the way of Jesus, the healer, then we will bring that to all that we do and all that we say, and we will act in a way that brings that to our secular, democratic, global context. What can ordinary people in churches and congregations do between now and the summit to make their voices heard? People in churches and congregations can make a huge difference. One place to start is going to the Faith Challenge G8 website, All of the previous statements are there, and there's an online petition which calls for the G8 to address poverty issues, climate issues, peace and security issues. We are hoping for 15,000 signatures on that. Let's surpass that 15,000. You can sign it online. Another way is by hosting an interfaith dinner. Our hope is that there will be an interfaith dinner in every riding in the country. The material for how to do that is also on the website. Talk to your MP. Phone the MP. As a member of a democratic country, as a citizen of this country of Canada, we all have access to our MPs. Take a copy of the Millennium Development Goals. They're on the Faith Challenge G8 website, and they're on many other websites as well. Take them to your MP. Make an appointment. Talk about them. Ask the MP what their plan is for making a difference when Canada hosts the G8, the G20, when Canada hosts the world. Okay, Karen, so folks can go to uh, faithchallengeg8.com. I'm wondering, uh, there's so much popular usage of the social media, Facebook and Twitter and on and on. Are there any access points for folks in that venue as well? Absolutely. We have a Facebook presence, so if you're a member of Facebook, you can look for the 2010 Interfaith Religious Leaders Summit. Same thing with Twitter. And so you can follow along. You can also send an email to 2010 at ccc-cce. .ca and you will get our public engagement coordinator and she can also help you with anything you need. They can phone. Our Toronto number is 416-972-9494 and extension 25 will also give you the public engagement coordinator. And Prime Minister Harper, I believe, is focusing specifically on one of the goals, which is maternal health and child care of the world's most vulnerable people. Yep, indeed he is. That's going to be a theme for the summit because the country that's hosting the summit has the primary role around the setting of the agenda. Our guest today has been Reverend Dr. Karen Hamilton, General Secretary of the Canadian Councils and Chair of the Interfaith Partnership. We've been talking about how the church can work together with people of different faiths 
for the common good. Thanks to all our listeners in radio and podcast land. We'd love to hear what you think about this program. If you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, why don't you write a review about this or any episode? My name is Janet Plennert. And I'm Dan Dick, and you've been listening to Church Matters, where our prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Every episode gets produced and podcast uploaded in time for the third Sunday of the month. Tune in wherever you are, and thanks for joining us. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the